welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Great Shot Kid, the Nerd Party's uh, podcast that is focused on the works of Star Wars creators, uh, both within and without the Star Wars galaxy. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm Mike. And this week we are going to be exp- we're going to continue uh, wrap up our exploration of the uh, of some non Star Wars work from the editors of the original Star Wars. And this week we'll be focusing on the editorial work of Paul Hirsch, and in specific the work that he did with Brian De Palma in the 1973 film Sisters, starring Margot Kidder. And uh, so uh, let's go ahead and, and kick things off here, Mike, because I, I got some thoughts about Sisters. I'd, I'd never seen it before. Um, but why don't you go ahead and you give everybody a taste of what Sisters is all about? Okay. Hmm. What's the <laughs> plot synopsis You'd think for an hour and a half sisters. long movie, it would be a lot easier to go into what this movie's about, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So... Um, a man and a woman meet at a television game show and they hit it off and they go out on a date and spend the night together and there's an ex-husband which is involved and things are somewhat complicated. The, the woman has a twin sister who may or may not be uh, jealous or something of this new relationship and um, the the man decides to get a birthday cake for these two twin sisters who's who are celebrating their birthday and uh, he, he he goes back to to their apartment mm-hmm. uh, and gets um, murdered s- stabbed to death yeah. Yes. By by one of the sisters, and hijinks ensue. <laughs> it, yeah. That's that's yeah. that's when it starts to get crazy. So yes, that's when it starts to get. And the thing is, it's it's really interesting because yeah, they meet on a game show, but there there seems to be um, like a, a Truman Show style social commentary happening just in the beginning because this is the era of candid camera, and the way that they meet is he is an unsuspecting. Uh, person who's in a locker room changing and there's a wall that's under construction and then they a uh, woman who he believes is blind comes in and starts disrobing and the game is will this man do the chivalrous thing and turn around and walk away or and so you know etc 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 yeah, so let, thing let's, is, let's the thing go is, the thing is, I would love to see like the second episode of that show because it's like <laughs> there's only so many scenarios. I mean, they went with the easy one, which is a blind woman walks into the wrong locker room, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, and it's like okay, but like how many different scenarios can you come up with, which involve like a guy accidentally, you know, uh, you know, looking at something that he's not supposed to look at? You know what I mean? How do you make that's, that a I, weekly show? That's, you know, that's the, I uh, that's the bigger question here. I don't know. It, it's but. it's game show commentary before Running Man even comes out. So they're you know it's ahead of the game in, in those terms. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough concept. Um, but 
Yeah, let's let's go ahead. Let's let's just jump to to what is the the flashpoint here because we're 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 looking at um at the the editing in specific. And in the scene that we're talking about, and this is no spoiler. Like you know, this guy's going to get killed. Like okay, first and foremost, it's a Brian De Paul. It's an early Brian De Palma movie. You're going to have a little bit of body horror. You're going to have murder, and you're going to have identity crises. That's Brian. And, it, that's, and it's and that's it, his and palette. It's very much going to be in the vein of Alfred Hitchcock. In this case, Psycho. It's going to try to be. It's well, going to try I mean, to be in that vein. Yeah. Like in terms of like structure and everything, it's kind of like a reverse psycho, you know. A, a revert? How so? No, I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree. Walk me through that. Well, it's a reverse psycho. Psycho in terms of like the gender roles, you know. Oh, so, I see what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yes. A guy's doing a thing. He's whatever. He goes, you know, to to this woman's apartment, and then he gets stabbed to death. And you're like, what? And that's like a big shock because it seems like he's the main character and everything. And then the the story picks up from there and it's told from someone else's perspective. That's okay. No, I I got you. I'm tracking with you now. Absolutely. Uh, I I do see that. But what's so interesting, and you had given me a heads up about this, uh, was the use of split screen at Mm -hmm. that, that pivotal moment when he gets killed there's the screen splits and you see uh, two perspectives. You see the perspective of somebody seeing him through a window and him climbing to the window at the same time, which is jarring. And it it's okay. First and foremost, it, there is definitely a hat tip because it's not used just that one time, a hat tip to Hirsch as the editor, because, you know, getting that to work without it seeming out of sync or weird or a cheat is a trick and it works each time that they do it. So that's, you know, a credit to him, I think. Uh, yeah. In getting and and one of the things right. which is impressive is it seems like even though, you know, it's happening in like two separate buildings, you know, really. Yeah. Like it looks like just because of the movements and everything and the, the precision of the movements, it looks like they were shooting both angles at the same time, which right. is pretty cool, you know? It is. It's very cool. Uh, And I I think that stuff like that really helps the movie because this is, I mean, I think overall for me watching it, there was very much the feeling of, yeah, this is De Palma before he's completely secure in in his skills or what he's trying to say or how he's trying to communicate to the audience. Uh, But for me, I look at this movie and I see so many different things at play because, yeah, it does switch after he gets killed and it tells it from somebody else's perspective. But there, there is this thing where one of the things that De Palma, especially early De Palma, really gets hammered on is his portrayal of women mm-hmm. and you know the issues that he seems to be working out with women. But in this, in specific, the... The, the person who becomes the hero of the story is female. So there seems to be this, he, does, he doesn't seem to treat women differently than men. Do you think that that is the way, and what I mean by that is, there's no, um, you know, wilting lily female character in this. The, these, these characters are, you know, what, what people would have expected from any typical male in this, in this sort of role. 
Do you think that is why people sort of like push back against early De Palma? Or do you think that I'm I'm trying to forgive him too much for that? I, I mean, I think it, th- that is definitely, you know, a, a criticism um, which which people have of his earlier work. And I mean, you can definitely see it in in some stuff like. Uh, um, oh, God, I just watched it for the first time. What was the one with uh, the guy? I don't want to say what happens in it because it's. It's it would be like a spoiler, but uh, the one oh, dressed with, to kill. Yes, yes, dressed yeah. to kill. Yeah, I mean certainly, you know, I mean that there's some stuff in there which you know you look at it today and you're like, oh okay, you know, and and there's like a lot of that you know going on in in his early career in particular, you know, and um, I guess th- this movie does seem a bit more progressive in 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 that regard. I think that this movie. Um, is dealing with with a lot of those issues kind of like head on in ways that uh, his other movies didn't necessarily, you know, also in terms of like issues of race and stuff like that, you know, certainly yeah. that 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 comes into play pretty heavily here. And, um, you know, I mean, you, you do see like some some gender, you know, roles. I mean, there's like the whole thing where the the woman who becomes the protagonist towards the end of the movie you know, seeing her like working with like a private investigator and everything, and you know yeah. the the way that he kind of is dismissive of her and and what she's trying to do, and you know all, all that stuff, and, and then not to mention like her mom trying to marry her off, and you know that kind of yeah. thing, and she's not really having any of that. I don't know. There there is like a lot of uh, stuff going on in in that regard, and I think for the most part it is handled pretty well certainly much better than in your average De Palma film you know? well I, I, I I'm glad you mentioned the racial thing because um, the there is a uh, like I, I wouldn't call it a joke but there's very definitely a comment made because the the man you know is he's African-American and her reward for being on the game show is a set of knives, mm-hmm. which you know. I mean, I mean, you know, if you know anything about De Palma, is oh, somebody got knife. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Well, I know how <laughs> I that wonder, was. Get I wonder used. if that's going to come into play later <laughs> yeah, on in the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, very subtle. He's always very subtle. Uh, okay. But the you know that you know he's black, and they give him a free dinner at the African Room, and yeah. there's this beat, and that that's what I think is so so weird about that that scene where the murder happens like is it just that we you know having seen De Palma's later work I mean would this have caught anybody off guards because because he gets it and there's this beat where he sort of like smirks like this world is not cool (laughs) you know and so there seems to be like sort of a light comic feel to things and it's all going and is it just that because it was De Palma I knew what was coming that I was just like, okay, yeah, 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 get get to the horrible part. I know the horrible part is coming. Or do you think it actually disarmed audiences at the time? Well, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess it was kind of funny in the in the way that that he finds it funny. You know, the character finds it funny. You know, yeah. Like he looks at it and he's like, oh, God, seriously, seriously, yeah. guys. Okay, fine. You know, and then you know they go there and everything. But it's, I think, at the same time, even though it is funny. It's definitely sort of like, you know, a pretty 
hard-hitting social commentary that's right. going on, you know, and it that comes into play later on too where, you know, I mean, she, you know, the 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 woman who witnesses the murder is trying to convince the police of this thing and, you know, she she's thinking that the reason why they're not taking it seriously is because of, you know, race and stuff like that. And, you know, it's certainly, you know, delving pretty deep into into that that topic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know if that was necessarily supposed to be disarming because the, I mean, there is like a lot of time that passes, but it is kind of, I guess, in a sense, misleading in that, you know, it starts off as sort of like a romance, you know, right. and then it, it turns and becomes, and I mean, you really don't know where this movie is going if you don't, you know, look at all of the external things, you know, and, and sort of the idea that it's a horror movie and everything. I mean, it's a pretty shocking moment when, when the murder occurs. It's very similar to Psycho in that regard, you know, where Psycho is all about the yeah. misdirect and that it's like this woman, you know, stole, you know, $40,000 and what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. Is she going to get away with it? And then all of a sudden murder you know and it's like whoa okay i didn't realize that we were in a horror movie you know i thought we were in like some sort of like suspenseful drama yeah and you know i guess that that same sort of thing is going on here i mean there's some tension but it feels more like a character drama and then the murder occurs and 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 it 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 gear shifts i mean this is a gear shift movie to some extent although that happens pretty early on you know yeah yeah so well, I mean, and calling out Psycho is also, I mean, the way that the the stabbing is cut mm-hmm. is very effective, um, especially there, you know, the choice. And I'm sure that part of it was, you know, actor safety and practical effects and those sorts of things. But the decision to show what like, the you know, he gets he gets stabbed a couple of times and then the knife you know, is stabbed into his face, but it's shown through shadow. (laughs) And so it winds up, I'm sure that there were a lot of practical reasons, but by cutting to that, I found it so much more effective than trying to push the limits of, you know, this is a pre Tom Savini world. You know, this is before people were pushing the envelope for, you know, how realistic, you know, Greg Nicotero could make a head explode on television (laughs) and stuff like that, you know? So it, it seems it seems that Hirsch exercised some really good judgment in terms of those scenes and well, in terms of that scene, but then it, it, like the, the split screen is so fascinating to me because it's not something that you commonly see used in a film. And it very much contributes to that sense of disorientation that -hmm. occurs. Now I'm going to be, I'm going to be straight up front about it. I didn't particularly care for this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But it sounds like I'm effusive about it, but it's it's one of those things where I think this is the type of movie you can look at it, you can honestly look at it and say, I didn't necessarily care for the final product, but I see what went into making it. Yeah. And I, I, I can see the skill level that was there that was trying to come through at that point, that was being born at this time, but wasn't quite there, wasn't quite mature enough mm-hmm. uh, to, to come across. Yeah, I you know, this is only the second time that I've seen it. The first time I watched it was in school uh, for a, a class. I think it was a horror film class or whatever. And um I uh 
guess I didn't really have any idea what to expect the first time I watched it. And because of that, I was kind of like blown away by it, you know, and there is so much in it, which is kind of, um, I'm not even going to say groundbreaking because it's not like, you know, people were doing stuff like this after this movie, but it's just so outside of the box that, um, you know, I found it to be really impressive and and surprising and, and fun and, and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I always like sort of wanted to go back and watch it at some point. And now this was finally, you know, our chance. And seeing it this time, I think I'm, I'm kind of with you in that I was really sort of impressed by what it was they were doing. But um, I wasn't it like completely invested in the movie as a movie, you know. Right. So I mean I, I do still think it's very good. You know, I, I, I would I would recommend seeing it, but it doesn't have that, that replay value that I kinda thought it would. Um yeah. but you know, Hirsch's is contribution to this is is pretty big and really pretty impressive. I mean, with the split screen stuff like we're talking about and, you know, the that that murder at the beginning of the movie very much influenced by psycho of course but there's this whole sort of like psychedelic thing which happens at the end of the movie and the editing in that is really really solid you know and and really kind of like creates a sense of confusion and everything but it's it's so well done that uh you know i was i was extremely impressed and and yeah. it is it is interesting to note that some of the techniques which you know were developed here were then used by De Palma, you know, later on in his career, like the split screen thing, which you know he tried out here, I believe. He talks about this in in the documentary about him, De Palma, which you can find on Amazon Prime, and I highly highly recommend. Um, you know, he he did that, you know, as sort of like an experiment here and. He liked it so much that you will see him use that again and again and again throughout his career. And you can even see it, you know, the place that I kind of always think of it as being, you know, done in a very similar fashion and a very effective, you know, fashion is um, in Jackie Brown by Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino yeah. has has spoken at great length about how much he loves Brian De Palma. You know, De Palma in many ways is his favorite filmmaker and yeah. you know you can definitely see the influence on oh yeah Tarantino's no I, absolutely e- even down to the, uh there the there are certain music hits and and camera movements that reminded me of um you know because because your first thought when you watch kill bill volume one um is you know oh this is straight exploitation movies that he's evoking and those sorts of things but there were things here in this where I, you know, I, I watched it and I said, oh, wow, I can actually see, you know, Kill Bill in this a little bit. Not yeah. not because it's like shot for shot or anything, but I'm like, OK, I can see how this whittles its way into, you know, the, the lizard brain, you know, at, at the core of Tarantino's film sense and yeah. how it works its way back out in his later movies as he gets more secure in what he's trying to tell. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, and Kill Bill, like it, towards the beginning, the stuff at the hospital, they have the yeah. split screen with the Bernard Herman music too. You know, yeah. I mean, that's pretty pretty on the nose when you think about it. You know, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I, I mean, Tarantino, everybody knows knows his stuff, and 
has you know is is very open about his influences so it you know it I do, yeah. I mean, it's it's so tough. I mean, again, to, to echo what what you said, and and you know what we're saying is like, this is not the type of movie where you're gonna go back and you're gonna watch it and be like, oh my, wow, why didn't I see this before? This is, you know, this is not a, a Godfather or a um, or a conversation or a Mean Streets or a Taxi Driver or something like that. This is a young filmmaker making a horror movie Mm -hmm. but doing some really interesting stuff with it uh including and i i I can't let this whole conversation go without saying that the quote-unquote ex-husband mad doctor whatever (laughs) looks a lot like a guy i went to school with (laughs) many years ago and every time there was a close-up of him it was extremely unsettling because he'd like talk at the screen i was like oh come on no 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 back up back up please so uh you know points to the movie for that i guess or possibly i should have been more cautious around the person because maybe they saw this movie and modeled their style after him i don't know but you never uh, know you never know (laughs) um it wouldn't surprise me I mean, you're right. You know, like he he's he's working a lot of stuff out, and you know, a lot of the stuff that he's he's doing is, um, very good and and works, but a lot of it doesn't. You know, and and you know yeah. that that stuff that doesn't work necessarily, he does kind of abandon, and and you know, um, takes takes what 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 he he was developing that that was working and 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 makes it work better refines it you know and, and other things but you know regardless of that it, it's still kind of interesting to see him working these yeah. things out you know well what's so what, what another thing that's weird too is uh, i am not terribly familiar with the work of margot kidder outside of superman mm-hmm. and so to see her in this type of role was so weird <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, it is. It's it's like the first time that you see, um, you know, I, gosh, I don't know. It's probably going to be a terrible um, analogy, but um, oh, you know what? I've I've always loved, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life. And then you go back and you watch some old films, and you see, you know, the, the forgetful uncle in another movie. And you're like, no, no, you're supposed yeah. to have string around your finger. What you know? And so to see her in this is very, and do I like the decision to make her French was so. I mean, you know, necessary. It's 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 weird because she has reached the iconic status that you you see in a lot of Star Wars, you know, actors, you know, whether it's Carrie Fisher or Mark Hamill or whoever, where, you know, like you see Margot Kidder. And before you think like that's Margot Kidder, you think that's Lois Lane, you know, so to see her in, in anything where she's not that, but especially something where she's like you know, a, a, you know, murderous, uh, you know, woman with a twin sister, whatever, you know, kind of thing. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's very strange, but when you think about the fact that this was before Superman, right. You know, maybe it wasn't that strange, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it makes sense. I mean, people do do lots of things so oh sure i i just yeah. i just think that some of the character choices were uh, like it it wasn't necessary to have her have a french accent yeah so why yeah. did you like i you know and i i will say that something else that is um that 
uh, for any child of the 1980s, uh, if you watch this, um, you will thoroughly enjoy uh, seeing Barnard Hughes, who was the grandfather from Joel Schumacher's epic The Lost Boys, mm-hmm. um, is is in this film. And it's it, it it's actually disorienting because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm saying, what? I know that voice, man. What do, where, what, do, what do I know him from? And I look him up, and I'm like, oh, that's right. He's And now I'm going to go watch The Lost Boys. So from horror to horror, I guess. There you go. There you yeah. go. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to note, too, that, you know, De Palma, while technically not a Star Wars, you know, creator, he definitely did have a very large influence on the uh, original movie he had a very large influence on the original movie and uh i actually just finished reading a book uh called george lucas interviews which is a a curated collection of interviews oh yeah all the way back to the early 1970s to 1999 yeah curated by sally klein that's a great and great book and and everybody knows the story about how they went out to eat after they watched the you know the first very rough cut rough assembly cut of star wars with the you know still with the world war ii footage in you know spielberg was the only one in the group that said no that movie's gonna make gangbusters money it's wonderful it's wonderful and um they get to the point where everybody knows the point in the story where de palma apparently was just vicious with lucas and like lucas and it the the story is always quoted as lucas just is sinking lower and lower in his chair because De Palma is like a dog with a bone and will not let up on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the first time where I've seen it cited where, like, Marsha Lucas never forgave him for it. Like, De Palma oh, yeah. stopped coming around after that. She was like, even even though he did, you know, he helped clean up, you know, a couple of things in the movie and everything. You know, apparently there was ill will after that moment. And it's the first time I've ever read that acknowledged uh, that that there was ill will afterward. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, De Palma did um, work on some of the the dialogue, from what I understand, and the the big suppo- thing was he he yeah. rewrote the the opening crawl. Yeah, along with Jay Cox, who um, is a screenwriter who wrote things like Strange Days and more recently Silence, um, but was also uh, the documentarian here on sisters which is kind of weird i guess he's probably just friends with the palma like whatever yeah I'll just, i mean who knows exactly well i mean how, you know that, that, that works, if but. one thing that's for certain is the you know that circle you know they they were they were all running together they were all yeah. bouncing ideas off of each other and uh you know i mean think about this okay think about this that martin scorsese is working with uh, Marsha Lucas on New York, New York at the time, mm-hmm. right? And he didn't show up to the to the screening. Um, but Marsha Lucas then also, you know, helps edit Star Wars. And New York, New York was supposed to be the one that was the big smash darling hit for that year. Yeah. And instead it's Star Wars that like blows. And in that room, you have Steven Spielberg, you have Brian De Palma, you have Jay Cox, you have... You know, like Scorsese was the only one who wasn't there, basically. Coppola and it's just, was there, probably. Yeah, right? like, yeah. yeah, it's like mind blowing the talent that was. In, I mean, yeah. you you almost you almost think that like Scorsese not being there was almost like that whole you know Congress protection 
clause, <laughs> like when there's the State of the Union address, or like one of you has to stay away from here because he, if, he was the designated survivor. <laughs> right. God, you know, God help us if that whole room had exploded and Scorsese yeah. was in there too. Movies are done. They're over with after that point. Yeah. But it is great to think that, you know, like at that point in time, there was this sort of like fraternity of young filmmakers, you know, yeah. who would all hang out and, you know, were just like, they, they were the guy. I mean, you kind of like, you hear about that in like other periods of like history in terms of like art and literature, you know, with like, uh, you know, Hemingway hanging out with a bunch of other writers or whatever, or, you know, yeah. who, whoever it is, you know, whatever, whoever the artist is. And it's just like, I love that idea that, like, these guys who, you know, individually were all making, like, you know, some of the best movies ever, certainly the best movies of their time. Like, they would just hang out and bounce ideas off of each other, help each other out with, you know, their their blockbusters or whatever it was. And, yeah. I mean, that's great, that, that great collaboration. I mean, the other thing which, you know, of course everyone knows is De Palma was you know, making Carrie at the same time as Star Wars, and they had the the big uh, joint casting call for yeah. um, Princess Leia and Carrie. You know, so that they could both they could both try to find their their leads. How different in, the in world could have been, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's crazy, um, but yeah. I don't know. It's it's funny because, you know, now we have Rogue One or whatever, which is obviously, you know, kind of like an adaptation of uh, that, that the opening crawl. And, you know, De Palma and Jay Cox being the guys who you know, substantially <laughs> yeah. rewrote it. Um, Neil Bulk, who, who's a, a, a music producer, he does like soundtracks and stuff like that. He was on Twitter uh, back when Rogue One came out and he's like, Brian De Palma and Jay Cox should get uh, story credit for uh, Rogue One. I and think like, he has a compelling argument. You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That is an accurate statement. So, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But cool. uh, well, I, I think um, any final thoughts on Sisters? I I, I do think it's really solid. Um, I, I think that... Uh, um, there is a lot of crazy stuff going on, and while all of it doesn't necessarily work, there's so much like outside of the box uh, filmmaking going on, especially with the editing, you know, and, and Paul Hirsch's contribution, that it's it's crazy enough to to watch. You know, I mean, it's you you, you will not guess what's coming, you will not guess how they how they get there. And, and I, I just think that, that it's, there's so much, you know, sort of weirdness going on that it's, it's really, really worth a look. And, um, it, I mean, for anyone who's, who's interested in, in trying to find it, you know, but maybe not wanting to invest in, in the Criterion collection or whatever, um, there's a, a, a new streaming service called Filmstruck, which is basically like a collaboration with like Criterion and like Turner Classic Movies or something. And it's on there and you can do like a free trial and, and you can watch it for free. So go ahead and do that. Why not? Yeah, that's well, thanks for the tip, man. That's pretty yeah. that's pretty great. Well, uh, you know, um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I would push anybody to go see this. Um, I, I think it's a well-made bad movie, um, but uh, I, I think that for the stuff 
the technical stuff. It's if you are a fan of, you know, film itself, of the art of putting a film together, it's an interesting watch specifically because you can see, you know, the the pieces. You can see the pieces that are that are in play for it. So, uh, you know, if if you want to let a, if you want to watch Sisters and then you want to let us know what you thought of it, you can go ahead and you can go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Go ahead, reach out to us. Uh, you can select the show, Great Shot Kid. Drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking. And, uh, you know, we love to interact uh, on the show. If you have a question about sisters, if you have a question about anything we've talked about, you know, we'll go ahead, we'll address it on the air. So the nerdparty.com slash contact. You can also reach us over on the Nerd Party uh, Facebook page at facebook.com slash the nerd party. And you can go ahead and you can uh, find us on Twitter at Join Nerd Party. So those are all of the official channels where they can reach us, Mike. Where can they reach you? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can also find me uh, doing Commentary Track Stars on CommentaryTrackStars.com, or you can find me doing Stage 9 on Trek.fm along with you. Along with me, yes, along with me, where uh, on stage nine we are exploring the uh, the work of Star Trek creators, much the same way we do the Star Wars creators here on Great Shot Kid. And you can also find me co-hosting uh, with uh, Matt right here on the network, uh, Aggressive Negotiations, where we don't look at the work of Star Wars creators, we look at the nooks and crannies of the Star Wars galaxy itself, some of the unexplored regions, as it were. Uh, I co-host uh, Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. And uh, you can also find me over on Twitter at Kessel Junkie. And outside of that, we very much thank you for joining us for this edition of Great Shot Kid. So join us next time as we uh, embark on our uh, next great triple feature where we're going to look at the first movies of the Star Wars spin-off directors. <laughs> <laughs>